Uh, what a joy it is to be here and to fellowship with you and to be a part of this service and, uh, and this, uh, this family of believers. I'm so thankful to the Lord that God had uh, brought Clay and I back together. Like he said, I knew him when uh, I was in seminary. Uh, I was the dumb guy in, uh, in a Hebrew class, and, and he was the smart guy. And I was smart enough to know that I needed the smart guy. And so uh, I said, Clay, help me out. I need some help. And in that time, I got to know him. We developed a friendship right then. And, uh, and who would have known that we would together be partnered in Uganda? Uh, that is only God's grace and kindness to us. It's, it's fun to see guys in ministry who are serving the Lord faithfully, who are honoring and exalting our master as we were trained. And, uh, and so I praise the Lord for, for Clay and his faithful ministry. I got to know his wife. And uh, many of you, I don't think, got to know her, but she was, I think, an angel. Uh, so my fondest memory was when they decided to make Danielle and I a dinner and leave it like a candlelight dinner just for the two of us when we came over to watch their kids. And, uh, and it just shows you the kindness and the generosity of this dear couple, and, uh, and we know really of, of Margie. <laughs> and so uh, what a... What a what a joy it is to have known her, and, and honestly, I mourned with Clay over the loss of his wife, and uh, we are all uh, just passing through, are we not? And, uh, and so we all look forward to the day we'll see our Savior face to face. I am a missionary in Uganda. My name is Shannon Hurley. There is my family right there. Come on, that's not my daughter I have around, my, that's my wife. Uh, so th- there's my family, and, and you guys in person have my, one of my f- favorite sons. I have got several, but one of my favorite ones right here. You know, <laughs> Evan, stand up. Just wave to them. Come on. There he is right there. And uh, he, uh, he could be in university, but he was young and graduated early, and I begged him, will you please stay back one more year with me uh, just because I'm not ready to release you. And, uh, and he says, Dad, if you want me to, I'll do it. So uh, he has graciously said, so I told him I'd take him anywhere I, I would go. So last night we took him to the Diamondbacks game. Come on. <laughs> I mean, university Diamondbacks game, who would rather? No. <laughs> so we, had a gr- we just have a great time just hanging out. It's a, a joy to have a son as a friend, isn't it? And uh, we were just rejoicing. That. I'd like you to take your phones out. And that is a QR code. If you take your camera and you put it on there, that will take you to my website. Come on, right now, everyone godly will do it. And uh, <coughs> uh, so just go get your cameras, take the QR code, and go right to my website, and then go all the way to the bottom and put your email address. I want to give you updates. Your church is now supporting our ministry. We want to let you know what's going on, because we need you to pray. We need you to help in any way possible. I am so far over my head, it's crazy. And uh, honestly, it, in some ways, it's, it's I don't know. We are, we are just fully dependent on God to help and to do. And we just invite you to know more about us, get more intimately involved with us so that we can minister to you. And, uh, and as well, we can be prayed up by you. We want to encourage you through those updates. So please get them and uh, let us encourage you that way. Those of you that got a book of mine or Daniel's, thank you for doing that. It's our way of trying to minister. We don't want to just be a recipient of this church. We want to minister back into this church. We want, we, we've got a king to serve, right? Oh, let me tell you, we got a king to serve, right? Come on, woo! 
Come on. I, I, li- I like it. I like it. We have a king to serve, and, and, and that's the reality. We are here, and this microphone's awesome. <laughs> we got it. We got it. No problem. No problem. Um, we have a king to serve, and we are in Uganda making that king known. Same king we're serving. We're making that king known all over the world. We are, we are in Uganda making him known right there. We, are, we have a community of people that in many ways have been living life as if there's no king. They've been doing what's right in their own eyes. And, and uh, thank you very much. I don't this thing's cool. America, the finest. <laughs> okay, there we go. Let's see if that works. I don't know. Does it look cool or I look like a fool? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll pray for you. <laughs> um, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, we're in Uganda. Basically, everybody's living. What's listen? Our country has been so blessed. Many of us have been grow up knowing that in God we trust. Right? Well, many of the people and, and all of our laws have been built up on those things and been embedded in our constitution, and they have blessed this nation because we have known God, acknowledged God, and as a nation sought to follow him. The rest of the world is still doing what is right in their own eyes. And uh, we get the joy and privilege of saying, there's a king, there's a king, there's a king. And his way is the best. And this is the message we need to get to our kids. They can't do whatever is right in their own eyes. They must know this king. And so that message we've been proclaiming in a small little village where nobody knew the Lord. We came in, there was no electricity. We had to kind of grade our roads just to get in. And we came up with one mission. Let us reach this community for Christ. Let's tell them there's a king. Let's tell them his way's the best. And let's teach them how to deal with their sin problem. And by God's grace and mercy today, there's a community of 500 worshiping the Lord on Sunday morning in that same little village. Can we praise the Lord? That's what God is, is doing. We have a primary school that helps in discipling our kids. We have a medical center that basically helps provide the medical needs of our community because you can't have a nine-month nine pregnant woman take a motorcycle 20 minutes on a, on a motorcycle to have that baby, right? You got to do something to love and care for that community. So we've been doing many things. We help with the disabled in our own community, all those to try and empower and strengthen our own little people and reach. And the second goal we have is to strengthen churches. We recognize that God makes his name known through the church, through the and so we are wanting to strengthen churches. I work with 1,500 Baptist churches. There's 220 uh, South Sudanese churches. We work with both denominations, strengthening the leadership, doing conferences. And, and we have launched a pastoral training college. It's accredited in the country. We offer certificates, and we're getting ready this next year, 2024, to start a degree program. And it's crazy. We're going to bring in 30. We, 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 we bring in pastors we bring them and we train them up in the foundations. Then we invite them into our degree program. When they come into our degree program, they come with their families. Because we want to not only train the pastor, we want to train the family so that the families are following the king, modeling what godliness is. So that when they leave our place, they go out back to their communities and help their communities follow the king. Come on, you guys are sharp. 
So that's what our goal is. And, and so we're way over our head because we're starting that degree program. It's going to be about $108,000 to train up 30 men for one year. Then they're going to go to year two. We're going to bring another 30 men. So add another 108000 And then you'll add the third year of that. So it'll be 324000 in the next three years. And so we're calling on churches, evangelicals, to help us with our mission. And uh, I would say this to all of you. God is at work in Africa like he's not at work many places in the world. <clears throat> and, uh, and I think it's partly because he wants dancing in heaven. <clears throat> and so uh, <clears throat> it is an incredible thing to be part of what God is doing. And, uh, and we invite you guys, come on a missions trip. Santon 2024, Uganda. Come on, who's on? <laughs> come on. Uh-huh, we got uh, good, good. Uh, we would love to come, and you, you have to experience Africa for yourself. The place is white unto harvest. Our challenge is, how do we facilitate what God's doing here and make the biggest impact so that God's name could be made great all throughout the whole continent? And so that would be our prayer. We're going to start in Uganda, though, all right? <laughs> and so uh, that's what I do. And so thank you guys as a church family for taking us in, supporting us. And thank you for those who are on our website now. And now, now you're getting our updates, and we can begin fellowship from there. And so I have come here to proclaim Christ as King here in Santon this morning. So open your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I want to read this passage for you, and as we are all aware that we are here reading the words of our king, and I use that because I would get that, uh, the idea of king and kingdom and all of that has to be at the center of our worldview, the center of our thinking. And so here we read the words of the king, and here we go together, Matthew, uh, Luke, uh, 1038. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, or listened to his word. And Mar but Martha was distracted with so much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is, come on, help me out. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. If I were to come to you, this church family, by the way, I even wanted to say that I have been introduced to many church families by many pastors, but I don't think I've ever met a pastor that loves his church family as much as Clay loves you guys. 
And uh, I, I mean, everyone he introduces, like, he's like, this is the greatest guy. I'm like, there, how many great guys you have? I mean, like, everyone is, uh, and, and I mean, honestly, I, Clay's affection for you is, is, when he says, calls you his beloved, uh, that is true in his heart. He really has love and affection for you as his own uh, family. And so we praise the Lord and thank you for that shepherd's heart and godly example to all of us. And uh, <clears throat> so when, when I come to a church family like this and I ask you this question, how can you know God? Where would, what would the answer, how can you or where can you know God? What would you answer? The Bible. If I come to you and say, how, if you want to pursue a relationship with God, where do you need to go? You would all say, if I say, if you need wisdom from God on how to handle circumstances in life, you would say that you need to turn where? If you need direction for life, where do you turn? We know this answer. But it begs another question. If the Bible is the source of our very knowledge of God, and our, it is the thing that is, we need like daily bread in order to exist, why don't we spend more time in God's Word? When I was a kid... I went to Sunday school, and this same question was asked to me by a Sunday school teacher. Why don't you kids spend more time with God's Word? And all of us, we basically answered, well, it's because we don't get around to it. So she went in a little bag, and she began to hand out this little plastic coin. And on the plastic coin, was a, it said, to it. And she actually passed them all out. She says, now you all have a round to it, so there's no excuses. That funny situation stuck in my head as a young kid. What is the problem? Why don't we study this sacred, awesome book like we know we should? Is it that we don't get around to it? Or is the problem much deeper? Well, the passage before us, I think, helps us answer the question. I believe this passage before us gives us two reasons. How many reasons? Two. That's what you write down. Come on now. Two reasons as to why we don't spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus like we should. The first reason we're going to see from this story of Mary and Martha. The second reason we're going to see from the context. We're going to spend the majority of our time looking at that story. The story can be broken up into four parts or four aspects of the story. First part of it is the background. Then you have the priority of Mary then the priority of Martha, then the priority of Jesus. Those are the four parts. You can't fail the quiz. I just gave them to you, all right? And we're going to walk through those parts together. We're going to start with the background. Are you ready? 
Oh, come on, are you ready? Yeah. Woo! Okay, here we go. Let's start with the background together. The passage starts off with Jesus traveling with his disciples. And in this situation, it's interesting because what you find out is that the story is almost plopped in. It's into this narrative in between a whole situation. I'll explain that to you in a little bit, but it's plopped in. But it does start off in verse 38 with Jesus entering a village. Look with me again at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Here is this background. What's interesting, you can notice it's now as they went on their way. It was plural as the disciples, and then all of a sudden it goes Jesus. And the whole focus of this story is Jesus. The disciples are off the scene. And as you go along, you realize that Jesus never really knew or hardly ever knew where he was going to get fed. Or where he was going to sleep. That's why he said in Luke 9, 58, that foxes have holes and the birds have, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So as Jesus enters this village, we know this village is Bethany, which is two miles outside of Jerusalem. And as he enters this village, this sweet woman named Martha comes to Jesus and welcomes him into her home i love martha's they're awesome i know the sweet saints who are just loving and and joyfully hospitable and so caring and and affectionate that they're they're going to run to anyone and and invite him into their home i'm sure we have many martha's in this room praise the lord well this was a common practice but it does give us insight to see the sweetness and the loving nature of this woman who was quick to entertain people. Now, when we stop here and pause for a moment, let's just analyze this for a second. Let's see it from God's eyes, from heavenly eyes. Are you ready? Thank you. In this situation, we recognize that Martha has just invited the creator of the universe into her home. She's invited the eternal pre-existent God, the Holy One in whom all of heaven, day and night, is worshiping and honoring and giving glory to. This is who has just come into her home. This all-wise, all-knowing Alpha and Omega, King of the universe, is now in her, the Savior of the world. This one who is running around all of Israel saying, I am the Messiah. And with that, he's showing heavenly power to raise the dead, heal the sick, even demons come running up to him and at his very word are removed, bowing down, calling him the son of God. This is the one who has just come into her home. This one in whom everyone is talking about. Religious leaders come and try and debate with him and he silences them. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords has just 
been invited into Martha's home. Is this a big event? You better believe it. This is a massive event. And it's in the midst of this event we see certain priorities. Starting with Mary. Starting with Mary. Come with me now and let's look at verse 39 together and see the priority of who? Of Mary. Here we go. Verse 39. And she had a sister called who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word or teaching. Here, the narrator introduces us to Martha's sister, Mary. Now, Mary is seen to be in this home, and she's seen sitting down on the floor at the feet of Jesus. She's seen as a student, listening, leaning over, attentive, to hear the words of Jesus Christ. Now, to understand the situation fully, you need to understand that for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a teacher was totally culturally abnormal. It was like a cultural faux pas. That's not something you do. Women were to learn from their husbands, and here she's sitting there. Can you believe it? Listening to Jesus teach. She abandoned all cultural practice and sat right at the feet of Jesus. And this was the posture of any student of that day. Why was she sitting there? Because she was very eager to learn. She was hungry and wanted to be fed. She was zealous to learn. She was focused. She was bold. She wanted to be as close to Jesus as she possibly could so she can learn from him. And you notice the text makes it very clear what she wanted to actually hear. She wanted to hear the words of Christ. She wasn't interested in philosophy. She wasn't interested in religion. She wasn't interested in politics. There were many things that could have distracted her. She wasn't interested in all the, 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 the issues, the inside scoop on the religious leaders and them or, or what was going on in the local deal. There was, what she was interested in is in what Jesus had to say. Just like any day, there were issues to be listening to, things that get you sidetracked. But all she wanted to hear was the words of Jesus Christ. She wanted to hear the word of God delivered by the Son of God. She knew who was standing in her home. She knew that he, that, that he had words that were sharper than a two-edged sword. That, she, that his words were a lamp under people's feet, a light under their path. That they were perfect, restoring the soul. She probably experienced that even as he talked, just her heart lifted and, and excited. She knew that these words were perfect, 
and restored the heart and made wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. She knew that Jesus' words were sweeter than honey, more precious than, oh, we know that too. And so therefore, nothing, nothing, nothing was going to stop her from sitting at the feet of Jesus. No preparations, no angry sister, no cultural faux pas, nothing was going to stop her from sitting right there at the feet of Jesus. So what was Mary's priority? To sit at what? The feet of and listen to his word. Not books about the word, but the word and the word and the word itself. That turns us to the second priority, and that is the priority of Martha. Look with me in verse 40, and let's look at the priority of Martha together. It says this in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with so much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. <laughs> this word Martha was distracted is an interesting word. It's a passive verb, literally meaning to be pulled away. <clears throat> it gives the idea that she wanted to listen she wanted to hear it from the words of Jesus, but something was pulling her away into the what? Into the kitchen. The idea I have in school, I remember a fight that took place in high school. Some people were like beating each other up, and then the people came, the, the leaders came, and they were pulling these students, and they're like, ha, you know. <laughs> that's the picture that I get. And that's the idea that's going on here is that something is dragging her away. Something is pulling away. And what was it? It was all her preparation. In her mind, she hears the kitchen. Like, okay, who needs a drink? What greens can I serve? Oh, no, I hope the greens are not hard and, 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 uh, to chew on, or they're not too soft. They need to be perfect, right, ladies? Come on. The guy gets down, you're like, all right, you know. <laughs> Is the chicken prepared? Is the bread warm? Who's going to butter the bread? Do we have enough place settings out? Who's going to sit where? All of these preparations running through her mind, all of them causing her to be pulled away from what was more necessary. When, you, when we move on to verse 41, you'll reveal that these not only pull her away, they also cause her to sin. She gets so worried, so disturbed, that she starts getting angry. Her mind is overwhelmed with so many details that need to be done with such a limited time. That her emotions take over and at full speed they start crying out with fear everything that needs to be done, everything that needs to be perfect. After all, she didn't want to make a bad impression on 
the king of kings who just came to her table, right? Fortunately, the end result was she was disturbed, angry, disturbed. With who? Interesting, when you look closely at the text, certainly with Mary because she's refused to help her, but also at Jesus because he permits her to not help. I know that most ladies here can relate with this situation very well. Your husband invites people over. He has no idea what work is involved, right? And he's like, hey, yeah, come on over. We'll feed you. And you're in the kitchen, and he's sitting down watching the football game. Anybody have that experience ever? Okay. No, don't, don't confess now. <laughs> you can talk about that at home. It's interesting when you look at this passage and you look at what was Martha's priority. Can I tell you what Martha's priority was? Let me tell you. Martha's priority was loving Jesus through making him a wonderful meal or by providing a comfortable stay. Let me ask you, was that a good priority? Answer? Yes. It was a great priority. She wants to make a good meal for Jesus. It was a loving priority. It's kind that she wants Jesus to have a nice stay in her home. And it's an important priority. Somebody has to provide the food. But that leads us to the third, prior, the, the third priority, the, thir- the priority of Jesus. Because Jesus is put in a situation that no man ever wants to be put in, and that is having to judge between two women. All right, look with me in verse 41. After being told by by Jesus saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. It says this in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. But one thing is, come on with me, but one thing is, a little louder, but one thing is, and Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Here you have the scene. On one side you have Martha coming to Jesus. She's completely angry, worried, overly emotional. Pause. I think there is a great lesson to learn here for all of us, not just the ladies. Be careful that you don't let your emotions get out of control. Remember as Christians, we crucify the lusts and passions of our flesh. That's what a believer does. An unbeliever gives themselves over to those things. When we get angry, you feel your emotion. You ever try and tell your husband to say, honey, don't get angry. What does he do then? Why? Because his flush is already aroused. Don't do that. That never ends well, all right? 
And the same way when a lady is, when we allow our emotions to get high, they'll always bring embarrassment. Keep your emotions and your flesh subdued. Subdue those, control those, and yield them to the Spirit. Here Martha lets him get out of control, and she embarrasses herself. And so, when, so here in full emotion, she comes to the point where demanding Jesus, you get her to help me. How can you not get her to help me? Come on, what's wrong with you, Jesus? Well, then you have Mary sitting right there at the feet of Jesus, and he's being forced at this moment to choose which priority is more important. Well, according to the passage, Jesus tells Martha which priority is more important. Hear it one more time. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but one thing is... One thing is... One thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. I won't choose your wonderful priority over this thing here, because this is necessary. This is necessary. It is necessary that you sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. It is necessary that we sit and learn from Christ, hear his word, enjoy his person. This is necessary. This is great. This is necessary. My friends, if you listen to the words of Jesus, he says only one thing is, one thing is, and we must hear these words, only one thing is necessary, one thing is necessary, hear those words, necessary, 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 necessary. Oh, Martha, what you're doing is so good. Those preparations are wonderful, but they are not what? What's more important is that you sit your body down and hear my words. So therefore, there's no way that I'm going to take Mary away from doing what is the most important thing. Why? When we know how sweet this book is, when we know that this is the bread of life, why do we not prioritize it like we should? Let me suggest to you, my brethren, it's because we don't see it as necessary and if there's one thing that we can get into your heart this morning to help the trajectory of your whole life your marriages 
your families. It's to know this. There's one thing necessary in your life. There's one thing necessary, and that is that you sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. That's necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. Have you heard it? We look at our lives from a human perspective and we run around and looking at all the the things we have to do at work. Look at all the administrative responsibilities that are are in our face. And, 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 And we forget that there's one thing that's necessary. Oh, we look at school studies and we think that they're necessary. We look at our housework, we think that's necessary. We look at our weddings. Come on, baby, come on, our weddings. And we think you're thinking about your wedding right now. Come on, focus, focus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and we start thinking that that's necessary. But dear friends, hear the words of Jesus. There is only one thing that is what? Necessary. And that one thing is that you sit at the feet of Jesus. Look, there are so many demands on us, are there not? And there are demands of, for me as a pastor, as a fundraiser, as a, as a preacher, as a husband, as a father, as a provider, as a community man. All of these things can get us thinking, ah, ah, ah. And we can think that, man, that meeting that I have today, that's really, that's the most important thing in the world. And we forget that there's actually one thing that is necessary. That is good, but not necessary. What's necessary is we sit at his feet. And what is true is that the busier you are, the more critical it becomes that we sit at his feet. This is the ministry. This is what Jesus demonstrated in his ministry, is it not? And we all know that nobody cares what we have to say till we're the men worthy to say it. And we can easily believe the lie that success has, has, is, is fulfilling all these responsibilities. But in reality, the success of our lives is whether we've sat down at the feet of Jesus and we've loved him as he has wanted us to love him. Look, I I can build a big ministry. Everybody can get excited and it falls apart tomorrow. It is necessary for me to sit at the feet of Jesus. You you guys, as, as dads, you're the leaders of your home. What are you leading your children to do? Love sports or love Christ? Because they're following you. My sons all love the Dodgers because I love the Dodgers. And everyone godly loves the Dodgers. <laughs> Gee, one thing is necessary. <laughs> but do but you, you notice that your kids love what you love? Well, do they love God's word because you love God's word? Because you see it as what? Necessary. To be the man of God you want to be at work. To be the man of God you want to be in the home. To be the woman that you want to be in the home. Here we go, women, we go and try and train our kids while we're yelling at them, right? It's necessary we sit at the feet of Jesus. It's necessary because it's there where God cuts our heart up. 
and God makes it soft for his spirit to move and to work. As a young boy, the first lesson I learned is that if I cannot be successful in this life without sitting at the feet of God's word, I wanted to love him, I wanted to honor him, I wanted to follow him. But in the end of the day, I was so I, I wasn't sitting at his feet. And, and then all of a sudden, I get distracted and start looking at something I shouldn't look at. And it was there where I realized, oh my goodness, my mind must be fortified. Especially with all the rubbish in our society. If your mind is not fortified in the truth and love affair with God, it will love something else that will destroy you. My dear brethren, it is impossible to live this Christian life without sitting at the feet of Jesus daily. Let me suggest to you the first reason the given by this story as to why we don't sit at the feet of Jesus is this. We don't see it as what? And my brother, and Jesus has one message to you. It is necessary. It is necessary. Do not let that day go by without sitting at his feet. Make it a conviction that you repent of if you fall asleep, having not sat at the feet of Jesus because you need it, you need it, you need it. I need it, I need it, I need it. What a powerful truth that we would push into the inner part of your being, that we might be the Christians that God wants us to be in this world, and that you might be the mommies and the daddies, and that we might be the legacy behind of loving Christ. Let me give you a second reason. I'll give it to you quickly because you guys are not from Africa and you don't like African time. Second priority is seen from the context, as I was saying. Remember, when we interpret our Bibles, the first major priority in Bible interpretation is context, context, and? Okay, good. In this passage, it's an interesting passage because in chapter 10, verse 17, it, we see the disciples were sent out. In the beginning of chapter 10, they return. And when they return, they begin to tell Jesus with joy all that was going on. While they're telling all these wonderful stories of what's taking place, all of a sudden in verse 5, these stories are interrupted by some lawyer. And again, typically this is the arrogance of these lawyers. <laughs> no, just playing. And, and what a gift to, to your congregation, a lawyer that loves the Lord like our brother does here. Thank you for that godly example. But this lawyer was actually, a, he knew the law the law of Moses. And he comes and he interrupts Jesus and the disciples telling their story. And he asks this question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds and well, what does the law say? And <clears throat> look with me in verse 27. Listen to what he says. And I want you to see this really closely. He, this is what he says. And he answered, you shall what? Love what? The Lord your with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and your neighbor as yourself. Notice he gives two commands. And by the way, these are commands because they're for our good. 
God only asks us what is for our good. God's law is so good, so awesome, and he asks it for our good. He knows that it is good for us to love him. It is good for us to love our neighbor. And so he makes these commands. But notice there's two. One, to love God. The second one, to love our... Now look with me. The text, the story continues because in verse 29, look what it says. He says, but he desiring to what? Justify himself, make himself look righteous in the eyes of others. He asks this question, who is my pause? Wait, wasn't there two things? Love God, love your. And so what happens here? He jumps over the first one and answers, well, let me tell you about my neighbor. You see, I, I do this and, and I do that. But where was the problem? The problem was in his love for God. And what does Jesus do? He explains right here what it is to love your neighbor. He answers his question. Then the writer, Luke, goes at the end of that and he goes and he plops this story about Mary and Martha right here. You say, well, why? Can I suggest to you it's to show you the first answer. What it is to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. I think what the author is doing is he's trying to say, listen, if we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then we must learn to what? Sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. My brothers and sisters, let me provide what I believe is the priority of this context, and that is to show us that one reason we don't sit at the feet of Jesus, listen to me, is because we don't love him like we should. We love all these other things in life, but we don't love God the way we should. And obviously, we know that we cannot do the law. That's why Christ did it for us, right? He became sin for us that we might become his righteousness. However, it doesn't change the fact of a love relationship with the sovereign God. He opened heaven's doors that we might have a relationship with God. And the reason we don't spend time and love him at, most, at his feet is because we don't love him the way we should. My brothers and sisters, I, I'm a missionary. I come like a jump out of an airplane, come in here, explode things, and get out of here. <laughs> but I want to create an explosion in your heart this morning that you would never forget. This is necessary. And may you pray that I would do what's necessary. Because listen, ministry is only exploding. It's this incredible problem I have. But I do not want it to take me away from my love and affection for my master. Oh, I feel the temptation. When your schedule is all over the map. But one thing that I know in my life, because I've seen it right here from the pages of Scripture, there's one thing what? Necessary.
and my sweet little sister who served here so well and you're headed out somewhere to California, of all places, California, <laughs> where the Dodgers fans really are. <laughs> you go out there with the message that one thing's necessary and thanks for your service to this body. And uh, you guys all come and take that church, tell them they need to support SOS, all right? Uh, guys, one thing is, and that is we sit at the feet of our master. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. And Lord, we, we, uh, we laugh because we, we speak about what we love. I have no problem speaking about the Dodgers because I enjoy them. Oh, but I pray I talk about you far more than I talk about them. Father, I pray for myself, I pray for everyone here that you would become the deepest, most passionate lover of our souls. That we you would be our greatest desire. Father, I pray that every man here would see today by your word how necessary you are so that they don't have to see tomorrow by their failures how necessary you are. Pray that every home here would be led by your word, that the word would be the center of their home, that they would have devotions as a family around your word, led by godly men. And where those godly men are not, that godly ladies would stand in that place and teach the word that everything would be coming in and out, that parents would guide their children to stay in that word because there's a love affair with your words. Give us that eager heart that Mary had, that our lives can have true success. We love you and praise you through the Son, your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.